You are Locked On Hawks Postcast, part of Locked On Atlanta on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Hawks Postcast, your home for the best Hawks talk. It's local insight you can't get anywhere, but right here at Locked On. I am Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me is Deshaun Tate. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code, all lowercase, LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. The Locked On Hawks postcast is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Deshaun, for most of the game, the Hawks looked like a team that traveled three hours from Mexico City yesterday. We had been on the road for an entire week. So despite the valiant effort, it fell just short of the comeback. 117-109, that was the final in a loss to the Heat tonight. And when you look at that game, it's very – it was a very tale of two halves type of game or even tale of one half, one quarter and, and three quarters, whatever the case, depending on how you look at it. Now, we'll definitely deep into the game in the end. One and we'll get you ready for the next game, which, of course, is against the Detroit Pistons. But first, let's get T and Tate takes on what happened tonight to Sean. Give me your top takeaway from tonight's Hawks Heat game. So I don't know who is responsible, Tanitra, for the scheduling. Of all the teams in the NBA, when it comes to the physicality, when it comes to the toughness, when it comes to the grit and the grind and just everything else that comes along with the Miami culture, that's not Mm -hmm. something that you want in front of you coming off of, you know, road trips and, you know, yeah. international, you know, travel and things of that nature. Um, I just got pushed in the mouth. That's just the reality of it. You know, I, we come in here and we talk about, you know, I don't know what kind of identity and consistently inconsistent and all of these different things. I think that that just kind of carried on uh, over yeah. to tonight. And I'm not totally mad yeah. at the team for that, per se, uh, all mm-hmm. the way through and through. Uh, just because of, I feel like that could have gotten anybody if Miami was standing in their way coming off of some of the things. But tonight was the Hawks' night that they had to experience that. They did. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just a matter of who was going to be tougher, whose mentality yeah. was going to be like tougher. Yeah. And who was going to impose their will. And that team was going to be Miami no matter what. And that's kind of been the Achilles heel in this matchup going up against Atlanta. You are absolutely right about that. And Achilles heel is probably the best way to say it because for whatever reason, and I was, you know, even thinking about that. And as we kind of dig into the numbers, it's like no matter who they put on the floor, I mean, no Jimmy Butler, who is arguably the toughest of the tough guy, not just on their team, but probably in this entire league, you could argue, argue. They didn't have Tyler Hero, but it was like, okay, we're just going to impose our will by showing you the depth that we have with this team. I mean, down to Jamie Wires, you're talking about a rookie here who is looking like a veteran against the Hawks. And so, yeah, sometimes you look at it and you're thinking it is imposing their will. That's the team that was going to win, but not just the physical will, but on some level, you mentioned as well that it's a mindset will that they impose them and, and it gets kind of into the mind of, of the Hawks. And other than maybe that shocking win in the playing round last year, you kind of say, well, this is what typically happens. The Hawks, and granted, 
It's usually a 2-2 or a 3-1. Neither one of these teams have swept one another in the regular season in, in the last five to seven years, but it always feels like it's either, either going to be a 3-1 in favor of the Heat or 2-2, but it's like the, the Hogs barely get by on the 2-2, and when the Heat win, it's like even if the score doesn't show it, it's like they just beat them into submission, and that goes back to, like you said, imposing your will physically and mentally. This is a very valuable lesson to Nitra that I think the Hawks can learn. Yes. Um, a very valuable lesson. Because when I'm looking at it, you know, the, the, the Miami Heat did not need its star player, okay? Not just any star player. We're talking yes. about the guy that yes. we know that he turns it up to a totally different level, level rather, uh, in the NBA playoffs. Yes. But he was the most impressive player in the NBA playoffs. This wasn't yeah. just any old person, right? Um, another, you know, starter or, or potential starter slash a guy coming off the bench in Tyler Hero, a yeah. dead-on, dead-eye shooter. There, exactly. is, uh, there, there, there is no more Max Struess. There is no more Gabe Vincent. Um, they're awesome. One of the twins was missing out of the lineup as well. You don't have... This was the equivalent of how to build, how to win, how, 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 how to build a franchise and still be able to come away with wins. You would not, if you would never have even watched the game, looked at the box score, seen highlights, nothing, and you just looked at just Miami Heat, Atlanta Hawks, you would have thought Jimmy Butler played and everybody else played and so on and so forth. You never would have known the difference. Because it was yeah. not just the win, it was the way that they went about winning. Yes. I think that this was a little bit more of an embarrassing loss, if I'm just being honest, for Atlanta than if not anything else. This yeah, is the would... equivalent of a successful, uh, 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 of a successful, um, um, you know, system, if not anything else. We talk about the Spurs. This is just as successful of just being able yeah. to go out there with the right role players and so forth to go out there, do the job, clock in, do the work, clock out, get paid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are the quintessential plug-and-play type of team because, yeah, some of those killers are gone. Max Strauss, Shrews, and uh, Gabe Benson are not with the team anymore. And then the other killer, Tyler Hero, didn't play tonight. And don't, granted, Jimmy Butler, he gets – he goes off on the Hawks just the way he goes off on every other team. But those three in particular, because they're perimeter shooters, would always give the Hawks challenges. And I think, you know, it's interesting because I would have said it was embarrassing if the second half hadn't happened. But because the second half happened, I felt like they kind of redeemed themselves to be able to get back to within seven after being down 21. But that's that inexplicable start. Like I'm talking the first quarter and a half. I just didn't understand. I mean, Bam Adebayo was just, I mean, everything, he was doing it at his own will. It was the mid-range shot. He was going inside. He's much of the reason why the Heat won the points in the paint battle. And it was, I mean, at one point in the first quarter, uh, the Heat was shooting 74% from the floor. They ended the first quarter at 68% and ended the, the half at about 54%. And granted, you always kind of knew they would cool off, but they cooled off to the tune of 49% to end the game. So I don't know how much cooling off they did. And initially I thought, oh dear, the Hawks are going to lose this game because of the, the perimeter shooting, right? So I'm looking around kind of seeing, okay, who's going to guard the perimeter? But then it ended up, it Miami didn't do so well 
uh, after that first quarter from deep, but they just went inside and they went mid-range and they got everything that they wanted to until the defense kind of started to show up for the Hawks. But for me, it was too little too late. And I think the bigger thing was sometimes when you've got a comeback going, you shoot yourself in the foot. So it seemed like every time the Hawks had a comeback, like DeAndre Hunter, for example, with the back-to-back turnovers, and it's like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Like, you're in the middle of a run. You're in the middle of a comeback. This is not the time when you give the the Heat the ball back. So those were – it wasn't just 22 turnovers, right? Although Miami only had 15, so they did a much better job of guarding the ball. But, Deshaun, it was also turnovers in critical moments that go back to what you talked about, which is mental. Yeah, it's not surprising. This is what Miami is known for. You know, we've talked about, and I know we can, everybody loves to go back to talking about, you know, the, 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 the play-in game on last year. But prior to that, do you know who was the quote-unquote arch nemesis, if you will, or the team that kind of always appeared to have had the Hawks number, always yep. seemed to find a way to get under Trey Young's uh, skin to a degree? Yeah because of their physical play, because of the length, because of the athleticism, because of the physicality, amongst so many other things, on the, specifically on the defensive end. And I know you're about to jump in here with a, 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 a very interesting. Yeah, because yeah. you, you, you made a great point. So I didn't want to interrupt you, but I, I don't want to sure. forget because it, the, the fact that they still have Trey Young's number at this point is very interesting to me because I didn't feel like it was – I don't know about you, Deshaun, but I used to feel like they smothered him. Like their trap was different than anybody else's trap. I didn't feel like the trap was as strong tonight, if you will, but I still want to get your opinion on it. But they still had his number. I mean, they still were able to get him. And and yeah, granted, he finished with 27 points. But I mean, as we said a couple nights ago, postcast, now he had to dig it out of the mud to, excuse me, 23 points. He had to dig it out of the mud because he had a bit of a, bit of a slow start before. You know, he kind of came on with uh, going nine of 16 from the field and five uh, of nine from three. So, yeah, I just had to ask you, I mean, what is it? What was it this time? How were they able to contain him for as long as they did? Smothered. And, I, you know, I'm not from the South, so I don't know how this stuff goes. We might need to get J.D. on here to confirm it. What is it? Smothered, covered, chunked, and one or two other ones. I don't know what it is over at the Waffle House, but that's just the way that that, that that's the way that they defend Trey. And sometimes yep. it's just it's a mental thing. It, it, it's not. It's it, it's it's a Miami thing, and I like to yeah. think that you know this is something that Atlanta can get over. But we all hear the term specifically in boxing, but we know that it resonates in other sports where styles kind of make fights and what have you. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's tough to get over, you know, yeah. there was, you know, Michael had issues with, you know, Detroit yeah, at one point in time. And LeBron, yeah. LeBron had issues with Boston. I mean, everybody's yeah. kind of got, you know, that, 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 that team for them. And and it's not a bad thing, right. um, but you know, it, 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 this is the equivalent exactly again of just a team. This is a yeah. real team because yeah. look, if you thing. take out, you take out Jimmy Butler, the twin. You also take out Tyler Hero and maybe one or two others here and there. You put some plug-and-play guys. Don't forget you have no Struess. You have no Vincent. I mean, it's almost like it's a brand-new starting five with the exception of Bam Adebayo. Now, you flip that around, give them all of their players healthy, but the equivalent of who they had out, Atlanta has that out. So that sounds like Trey is out, DeJounte is out. You know, yep. uh, Jalen is out. This one is out. That one is out. 
I'm not sure that I could be saying that we'd be having this same conversation about the mm -hmm. outcome. That is why that, that there is that equivalent. When they say talk about Miami culture, and I know some people are just thinking, you know, this is this is sounds like a pro uh, Miami, you know, postcast, but no. we don't play radio here either. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we we only know one way on this program, and that's to keep it real. So you know, I, I I don't get the feeling that we would be having this same conversation. But that is the equivalent of a real team. That's the makeup. That's the build. That's a credit to to Pat Riley. And because I think that this is good for Atlanta, because mm -hmm. you need that kind of uh, consistent competition and yes. something hanging over your head that's going to make you grind harder in the gym every day to try and figure this mm -hmm. thing out until you can overcome that adversity. And guess what? Those are the things that make championships and winning those th types of things that much sweeter. Yeah, that's exactly what I was too. This is a great test, not a good test, but a great test for the Hawks to say, okay, yeah, we're arriving, but this team has arrived. And if we want to be in a space in a place where we're not arriving, but we've arrived, this is who we're going to have to go through. This is our team. It's not for the Hawks. It's not the Celtics because they did uh, win two games in that postseason playoff game uh postseason series rather last year and you know we know the hogs can hang with the bucks they've already shown it it's the heat that's the that's team not the gonna issue that, 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 exactly. that's not the that, yeah that's the team they're gonna have to, we'll talk about it we'll talk about it more in just a second because we've got a little more deep diving to do in the and one but before we go into our and one we are going to talk to you about chase medical all right guys now you know, we live in a culture where everybody wants to take control of something, right? Because we just like to dictate things and your health is no different. We spend a lot of time talking together. We get fired up about wins and losses. Time to get fired up about our health and take control of that. You know, I just learned that you can get one year supply on ED medications. And what that means is if you're traveling or something happens, you don't have to worry necessarily about whether or not you can refill your generic prescriptions. That's possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. You can go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on a daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. Quote, I am thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills and have to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. So if you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. Again, go to jacemedical.com. Use the code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. So, Deshaun, it's time to get into the deep dive, our and one. And I think you made a good point. It's not so much that we are leaning in the way of the heat. It's just we know that this is the hump that the Hawks have to get over as they continue to try to ascend in the Eastern Conference. And one of the things that you also have to do in trying to ascend and get past your nemesis and really get past any team in the association is figure out how to start fast. And the Hawks haven't quite figured that out because some could say, hey, tonight's start was a slow one because the Hawks were jet lagged from the trip from Mexico City. But let's just be real. 
four of the Hawks' five wins this season were comeback wins. And not all of them were comeback wins off of a really long distance trip, right? Or a really long road trip. So what do you think? I mean, there was a point where, a point in this, the game tonight where the Heat doubled the points and the scoring output of the Hawks. What do you think is the root cause of why the Hawks are having these slow starts? Yeah, it just sounds like really like a like a a, a, a mental hurdle um, for this team for whatever reason, just mm-hmm. being prepared to play and just start out fast and just whatever mm-hmm. has to happen to light a butt up on you know a fire up underneath their butts. I don't know if you know. I know. I know. I know. In football, the, you know, they come in and they do the pregame speech and yeah, get everybody ready and pumped up in the locker room and ready to go and fire it up. So they can run out there on the floor. It sounds like that's something that this team needs. Um, but in some instances, you know, I, I do think, you know, when when it was the off season, and this is the, not just this past off season, this last few off seasons, and I'll come on the air or whatever, what have you, and I'm asked all the time frequently, what does this team need? And I think that, you know, outside of the fact that I've always thought that they need more adults on this team, um, mm-hmm. one of the bigger things here is I just think that it's lacking some. Uh, vocal leadership in some ways, yeah. um, you know, someone to kind of yank some guys up and is like, hey, you guys better wake up. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's real out here. We're about to go out here and play a game. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. as if you 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 have to you have to tell guys something like that. And, and you would think that they already know and they're ready to go out there and play. Every, right. You're not going to be able to come back against everybody. You're not going to be able to storm back against every team that let you back in the game. There's going to be some teams that's got you circled on their calendar and, um, you know, and, and, and going to come in there and take care of business from the time that jump ball all the way up to the very end. Their foot is going to be on that gas pedal, uh, full throttle, all the way through yeah. and through. And if not none of those other teams, that Miami's just obviously always been one of those teams uh, for Atlanta. And so I think this is something that Atlanta just – you gotta find someone. I don't care who it is. Where is that the reason you brought in Patty Mills and some of these other mm-hmm. guys, the veteran leaders and things like that? If they're not gonna see the floor that much, their responsibilities, their jobs, replacing the guys on the bench, replacing the Holiday brothers and all of this other stuff, you gotta mm-hmm. be replacing them with guys that's gonna get some of these other guys fired up yeah. and ready to play because how you start is essentially how you finish. And we haven't seen that really that much out of that example per se out of the Atlanta Hawks. And I'm afraid that 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 could be on the other side of all of this if they don't get it together sooner than later. I think that's a great point that you make in that. And you made me kind of harken back to the days of Lou Williams and the days of Vince Carter, because those guys were essentially coaches, right? On the, on the floor and on the sidelines and in the locker room. And they were the ones who really got those guys going or kind of helped the younger teams, the the younger players reset. And I think that when I look at the game tonight, and this is only my second one seeing it in person, and sometimes when you see it in person, it's a little more obvious than when you maybe see it or watch it on, on TV. And one of the things I was thinking was, who's going to set the tone? Like who's going to set it or reset it? And so I didn't see anybody Set it. I didn't see anybody reset it verbally. And I'm and and granted, if you recall, the last two out of three plays just before halftime, you get a three from Dejounte Murray, you get a three from Jalen Johnson, and you're thinking, okay, that's probably the thing that's going to jumpstart it. But I don't think 
it can just always be about the play, right? Sometimes it also has to be about, okay, I noticed that, you know, we weren't space, we didn't have a good enough spacing. So I need you, whoever you are, to go ahead and, you know, move in your place. Okay, you, I need you to clog the lane a little bit more because, you know, Bam is just getting in there and doing everything he wants to. Like, I didn't see that kind of coach speech coming from anywhere on the team. So I think you're absolutely right. Somebody's going to have to step up and be that person uh, this this year. And whoever that is, it has to be organic because yeah. people expecting that to be Trey Young and it's just not who he is. And that's okay. If it's yeah. not who he is, it's not who he is. Can't force the guy to be something he's not. I do believe DeJounte has that in him. Now he's the one that I'm expecting to see or hear more of because I legitimately think it's natural for him. I think it's organic for him, but I think that there's just, there just maybe one or two can't put my finger on it. Can't call it anything specific, but I do think there are one or two nuances of completing the circle of the comfortability of Trey and DeJounte together, right? I think it's better. I, I think it's much better. We've seen that already in the first, what, nine or 10 games of the season, but there may be one or two nuances where Trey kind of has to, co I'll say subconsciously, co-sign in order for DeJounte to kind of step up and take that role. But I think, I still think he's your guy. So many very, very good points by you, Tanisha. I'm starting to think that you're like living in my head rent-free. I'm going to have to start charging you at some point because all the things you're getting ready to say, I'm like, I'm about to say this, I'm about to say that. You're literally listing them all. You got to have somebody that is going to be ready to run through a brick wall. You got to have somebody that's wired a little bit different with a little bit yeah. of that crazy. Do you think that the teams, ironically and coincidentally enough, that P.J. Tucker has been on has just been good just because? He is that piece for them. And this is by no means me being the biased Sparty guy, but listen, people always see all the time. I would love to see Draymond Green and what he looks like on another team. He wouldn't be as successful and all of these different things, you know. But it would be no different because that's just who he is by nature. They need him to be that. They need him to play that role. As much as people hate him, people hate the leadership capability, the qualities and the IQ and some of these other things to get these guys pumped up and, and ready to play. And, and, and those two guys aren't, you know, the only two guys. There's so many others. Look, think about the team that we just played tonight. What do you think Udonis Haslam is getting paid money for anyway? That is his job. That's what he's supposed to do. Um, so, you know, there's always going to be those guys where like them, love them, hate them, whatever else, what have you. You love to have those guys on your team because of what they can bring that won't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. I love it. I love it. I love it. And there's one more question that I'm going to ask you, but I am going to hold it for who got next because I think it's also a very intriguing question, but I suspect that you'll have a very interesting answer. But before we go there into who got next, I'll talk to you guys a little bit about prize picks. All right. So prize picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Now, listen, prize packs, it can be pretty fun, too, because think about it. What's not fun about winning up to 25 times the money this football season? You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, 
and place your entry. So here it's an opportunity for you to test your skills and it's an opportunity for you to turn, for example, $10 into $250 with just a few taps. It's really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit the entry in less than 60 seconds. Now with prize picks, here's another cool thing. They have a reboot policy where your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for NFL games, CFB top 25 matchups like the one you saw tonight where Georgia smoked the heck out of Ole Miss. If you have a player who exits the game like, unfortunately, Ladd McConkey did, then if that person does not return, and of course he did, that player is rebooted. Prize picks, that's the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. And you even saw it tonight like a Bogdan Bogdanovich who was out for a minute, didn't know whether he was coming back. He did. But if you want to take advantage of prize picks, it's really simple. Prize.com slash locked on NBA. Use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepix.com, L O C K E D O N N B A for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Sean, who got? Next, this is the question I want to ask you because it could very well be a formula that works maybe for the duration of a game, but certainly in chunks of games. And that's one lineup that we saw tonight where DeAndre Hunter went to the four. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray were still out there. Bogdan Bogdanovich didn't come off the bench first tonight, but was uh, maybe one of the, or later in the game, was one of like the third to come off the bench. But ultimately, those were the pieces that Quinn Hunter, uh, Quinn Snyder, excuse me, put in place to kind of mix things up and get this team in position for comeback. Small ball lineup seemed to help. Did you like it? And did you think that maybe even in a loss, it's good to still see that Quinn Snyder is willing to kind of mix it up and try different lineups to see what it would be a winning formula against a team? Absolutely. Um, I think that that is good. I think that it was, I think that it was certainly ideal from a small ball perspective uh, because, you know, Miami is one of the smaller teams. Yes. I think in this situation, that's something that he kind of had to do. However, um, I'd like to see what it looks like when it's not against Miami per se, because Miami brings a different kind of identity amongst other things to the table than a lot of other teams are going to bring where equally you need to try your small ball scenario. I don't think you determine whether your small ball uh, rotation uh, or lineup was successful or not in this particular game. I don't think that you judge it from this game. I, I, yeah. I think that does a, a disservice and is somewhat unfair. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I do think there are some interesting things that happened again um, where you have decisions to make because, um, you know, Sadiq Bay didn't look like the Sadiq Bay that he's been coming in and, you know, standing in the gap and filling that role. He didn't play exceptionally well on tonight. Jalen Johnson, another one we talk about him. I feel like every single night this is the first bad game that he has had. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I thought that that is something that's needed and necessary, not just for Jalen sometimes so that he can learn how to overcome when he has games that are not going to be on fire every night, but also for this team to not rely on Jalen Johnson yes. in that identical way. I think that would be doing themselves a disservice as well. Yeah. So in some ways, kind of addition by subtraction, if any mm -hmm. of that makes a little bit of sense. But uh, I, I, I do believe that you, it's not a bad scenario. I'm just, I think it's good that you have the pieces to be able to try a small ball lineup yeah. or 
make adjustments because not every team has that ability to be able to do something like that. Right. And I think you're right. As Jalen Johnson matures, he'll see a game like tonight where maybe he's not able to get his offensively and he has to decide, you know what, maybe I'm having an off night shooting, but I can find other ways to be effective or really. Yeah. And so I think you called it from the start of the show. And I think it's been a good, good, if not great thing throughout, which is these are the kinds of games that help you to mature. These are the kind of games that help you to grow individually and collectively to say, okay, I'm not going to be Mr. Double Double every single night. So if I'm not Mr. Double Double on the offensive side of the court, let me go and impose my will on the defensive side of the court because Bam Adebayo is not your prototypical center. So he's someone who, Jalen Johnson can bring some help against. And also, I think towards the end of the game, you saw a little bit more from him and from Dre Hunter, just really the Hawks collectively to kind of throw the heat off their game on the perimeter. But I remember in the beginning, I kept looking around to see where Jalen Johnson was because I was like, who's letting these fools go off, you know, on the perimeter? Where's JJ? And I'm like looking. And then, like you said, I'm looking for Sadiq. And I'm like, Sadiq does a really good job, a fine job of making sure he at least makes you work for your shots on the perimeter. And we didn't quite see that tonight. But again, you hope for a bounce back game. We'll talk about that in a minute against the Detroit Pistons. I know I only got a couple minutes, so I got to ask real quick if you liked or if you gave a thumbs up or a thumbs down to the city edition uniforms that the Hawks wore tonight. It's a throwback to their first season back in 1960. I thought they were pretty smooth. Of course, you thought so because they had the Carolina blue stitched in there. So I know how my girl get down. I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder if she gonna mention this on the post. Of course, she will. On the postcast, Um, I liked them. I I liked them. I liked them a lot, actually. Um, The only thing about it, I feel like, and I don't want to be, you know, negative Nancy or whatever here, but it's just the the the. It's something to get used to because I don't feel like the coloration, I don't think it says Atlanta to me. You know what I mean? Like when I'm looking at the, you just, you get so custom sometimes in this city with sometimes the teams and the black and the red all the time that when there is a little bit of a difference, I think at one point in time, one year we did a little bit of boat green or something. It's just like, yeah, it doesn't feel like Atlanta. You know what I yeah. mean? So but I think it's good to do something different. I'm just not right. sure if the Carolina blue is was the way it? I went with it. But, but, but nonetheless, I thought that it was very sleek. The yes. text on it, you know, just everything, the color. I, I mean, I really liked it with the exception. I'm not sure if it says Atlanta in my mind. Yeah. Um, if somebody would have said, you know, you took the letters off of it or whatever, the front of it and said, you know, what, what, what team, you know, where's these jerseys? I wouldn't have never probably mentioned Atlanta, but in terms of just the way it looks with the naked eye, I loved it, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, same here. And I think you you are right. I wouldn't necessarily think Atlanta when I think about that kind of Carolina blue or that kind of baby blue, if you will. I think it, my mind would probably go more to, well, Carolina. But I do. I think if you're going to have a uniform that is a backup uniform, a secondary uniform, a throwback uniform, it's really either something with the Pac-Man or it's going to be something with like the peach, like the peach editions. I think everybody feels like Outside of the traditional ones, those are the ones that are a good look. So anyway, hopefully the Hawks will take a couple days and have a good look when they take on the Pistons. They're traveling to the Motor City, and they're going to have them on Tuesday. Hopefully they'll have a little bit better. And granted, the Pistons did lose tonight to the 76ers, but certainly Cade Cunningham, who always gives the Hawks fits, 
and Killian Hayes, that backcourt did its thing. So uh, there's definitely going to be some work to do for DeJounte Murray and Trey Young come Tuesday. And of course, if you want to download on it, come right back here because we got all of that and more for you on the Hawks postcast. So thank you as always for stopping by. We appreciate you because this is your home for the best Hawks talk. And of course, Deshaun and I will see you next time.